All right, all right, all right, all right. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Yes, yes, all right. How about we all stand up before we begin? Guys, welcome, welcome to Metro Praise International. It's good to see you guys this afternoon. I'm, I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. So glad that you guys could, uh, you guys could uh, take time out of your schedule to worship with us this afternoon. All right. Now, before we begin our service, uh, we start off with a testimony. So I'd like to call up my brother, Daryl Esquivel. Yes, please give Come a warm on. welcome as Come he on. comes up to share. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Uh, my testimony, uh, typically when I go to work, I would wear my Chicago for Jesus hoodie. And this particular day, uh, one of the shipping guys asked me, he's like, man, that's an awesome hoodie. And I was like, yeah, man, I go to church. You go to church. We started talking about church. Uh, he is a believer already. Um, so the story doesn't stop there. And I said, hey, man, y'all church believes Chicago is for Jesus. We're giving it back to him. We have go out and evangelize, et cetera, et cetera. Just fast forward, there was a guy that wound up walking past us who heard us talking about the Lord. And he was a new guy uh, who had been there maybe for a couple weeks. And um, we wound up meeting in the office coffee break room. And he asked me, he said, hey, man, I liked your hoodie the other day. I introduced myself, and we started talking about the Lord. Now, he said he got saved, and uh, but when I started telling him about the gospel, he said he never heard the gospel how I explained it to him. And I think that touched his heart, um, and I planted that seed. And so what do you do when you plant something, you water it. So every day, you know, I see him, we talk, you know, and I tell him about the Lord, and more and more we start talking about it. So I want to encourage you guys, man, that uh, if you don't have a Chicago for Jesus hoodie or a hat, get a hat, get a hoodie, get caught reading your Bible, get caught talking about Jesus, get caught praying, get and not get caught like it's something bad, but let somebody see you doing it. Let somebody see you encouraging another person in the Lord because that will, somebody else sees that. And then you're able to plant another seed. Amen. And I want to share um, a scripture with you, Ephesians 5 verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sweet sacrifice or and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Let's pray. God, we come to you today, Father, uh, asking for wisdom and knowledge, God, and thanking you for giving us the opportunity to share your gospel, Lord. Keep giving us opportunities, God, to share the gospel. Uh, allow us to see these opportunities, Lord. Allow us to uh, hear your voice and your word, God, in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Let's put our hands together.
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and is to come, we give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, on the throne, on the throne. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. to come we give glory honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne on the throne on the throne praise god from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly host praise father son and holy ghost we lift your name up across the nation. We lift your name up with our families. We lift your name up for all of our lives. We will, we will. In this city, we lift your name up across the nation. We lift your name up with our families. We lift your name up for all of our lives. We will, we will. set on you today. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. 
the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. Sing that with me. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. Cause you are good, good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my Do that again. Let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. Oh, he is my let the king of my heart be the shadow of my face, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song, cause you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, you're good. Oh. Let me die. 
You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Oh Jesus, you are never gonna let us down, oh God. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He won't abandon you. God, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And the truth is you are good. And you won't ever let us down, Jesus. People fail us. Times fail us. But God, you don't fail us. So I just want you guys to just sing this out with me as we sing. You're never going to let me down. And believe it today. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. church and we believe in the gifts of the spirit we are a church that believes this and God still speaks to his people so we just want to give the spirit just time to move I just hear God saying to someone here, 
that you have never walked alone. There's never been a time where you've just, that you've been without him. He's always been there with you and for you. And so in those times where you feel like you are the most lonely, that you are the most alone, he's that still small voice saying, just come and spend time with me. Come and spend time with me. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. You are not alone. I see, I see you. I see your issues. I see your problems. I see everything and I delight in you. So spend time with me. Oh, Lord. Just thank you, God, for being a God that doesn't ever leave us alone. Get in your prayer closet and spend time with him. And that loneliness will just drift away into total peace. And God, I just want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be the center, God, and I want to give everything I am to you. And if you believe that for yourself today, you want God to be the center, then you should sing this song with us and believe it in your heart and get it into your spirit that he is the center and he is everything. Jesus in the center of it all. Jesus in the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been
We thank you, Lord, that you came to seek and save the lost. We thank you that we get the honor and the privilege and the privilege to be here right now, glorifying you, praising you, worshiping you. Lord, let our light shine. Let our light shine to our friends and our family all around us. May we not be entangled into the things of this world, Lord, but let us live free, free to love you, free to serve you. Be the center of our life. Be the center of our heart, our motives, our thoughts, our desires, Jesus. We give you your rightful place today. Let's sing it one more time. Jesus, be the center. Come on. Just Jesus, be the center of my life. And Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my life From beginning to the end It will always be It's always been you, Jesus Jesus Hallelujah, Lord, we love you Have your way in us and through us today, O oh God Give us eyes and ears to hear you, to see you. May we have hearts that respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us today. Do a new thing in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You guys can have your seat. We're going to release the ushers at this time to pass out the elements for communion. We thank you for joining us at Metro Praise International. Welcome to an awesome service. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We're thankful that you have come. I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. But before I do, I just want to explain to you what communion is. Communion is what we do. It's an ordinance that we practice where we partake of the wafer and the grape juice together as a family to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so the Bible teaches us that we should not partake of communion in an unworthy manner. So we want to check our hearts. We want to make sure that we're living right for God. And I'm going to preach the gospel to you as elements are being passed out from 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. It says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And the life that is being referred to there in that verse is eternal life. If you have Jesus, the Son of God, then you have eternal life promised to you. 
There's two places where we can spend eternal life, either in heaven or in hell. And my friend, Jesus is in heaven today. That's where you want to spend eternal life. Because when you accept him here on earth, he will accept you there. But if you deny and reject him here, he will deny and reject you there. So how you live here reflects what happens in your eternal life. And eternal life, the full life, eternal life in Jesus, with Jesus in heaven, is through him. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Come to the cross today. Let the blood of Jesus wash you clean and redeem your life to bring you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what he does for us. You have to say, I'm a sinner. I'm far away from the commands of God. I must be born again. The Bible says that unless you're born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to begin to pray. And if you know you need to get right with God, let this be your moment. Come into agreement as I begin to pray with you before we take communion together and give your all to Jesus. Surrender and say, God, I, I repent. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. So with all eyes closed, all across this place, Jesus, I ask for your spirit of conviction to fall in this room. Let your loving kindness draw all men and women to repent today. May they confess you as Lord and Savior of their life. Repent from their ways. Turn and live for you. Lord, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. I pray that today they will make that decision to be all yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Please stand up to your feet with me today. Let's prepare to partake of communion together. Hallelujah, Jesus. You guys can hold the wafer in your hand. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this wafer that represents your body. Your body that was beaten and bruised for us, nailed to that cross. The crown of thorns that was laid upon your head. Lord, we remember and we say thank you. We partake of communion together. And we say thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you're coming back for us. We thank you that we could do this as a church family today. That you did not forget about us, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's partake of the wafer together. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for this grape juice that represents your blood. We thank you, Lord, that you shed your blood on Calvary to wash us clean. We thank you for our salvation that comes through you, this precious gift of life. We thank you, Lord, for redeeming us, for calling us out by name, for creating us, oh God, to be yours. We thank you for your blood that heals us, that washes us clean. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the grape juice together. Hallelujah. Let's join in worship one more time with this chorus as the ushers collect the remainder of the elements. Let's turn our attention, attention towards Jesus just for a few more moments and reflect on what he's done for you and the place that you want him to have in your life now and always. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus we love you, Lord. Center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus.
the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God, for this day. We ask that the preaching of the gospel would come forth with signs and wonders to follow. Speak to our hearts today. May we never be the same again. Change us from glory to glory to glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. We're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. So on the count of three, let's recite it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Why don't you guys spend some time fellowshipping? Give somebody a hug or a handshake.
All right, who's excited to be at the 1 p.m. service? Welcome, come on, make some noise, don't be shy, clap it up. Thank you all for joining us at Metro Praise International. We welcome you all here. Keep inviting your friends and your family. This is our, our family service. So we have 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. every Sunday. King's Kids in the back for children, uh, infant to 11 years old. And we have Elevate. Come on, let's do it for them. Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. every week for students 11 to 18 years old. God is doing tremendous things in our youth ministry. We're so excited about all that God is doing there. So if you know anybody in that age group, invite them to be here on Friday nights. We're getting ready and very excited about our Easter services, Raised with Christ. So we're going to be having the 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. April 16th for Easter, a powerful um, time of worship and preaching, presentation from our children and Elevate Youth Ministry, and also we'll be providing free family portraits. You and your friends can take them. It's going to be an awesome time. So make sure you grab those uh, Raised with Christ Easter flyers. Take a lot of them. Make connections with people. Leave a whole bunch in certain places. And let's pack this place out so that our city can hear the gospel of Jesus. Amen. We're also excited about some new news. We are changing service times. Woo! Okay, so immediately following that Easter service, the 23rd of April, we will be switching times to 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So we want you guys to start thinking about which one will be yours. I'm assuming that second service will still choose second service, but it's all up to you. You can choose the 9 a.m., or the 11 a.m. We are making changes to suit our growing church. God is doing tremendous things in our children's ministry, and we just want to make sure that our whole team is just being utilized for this growth that is coming our way and has come upon us. And so we're so excited about these times. Pick one service, be faithful to it, and let's keep growing and winning our city for Jesus. Amen. So we're still sticking to the 10 a.m. and the 1 p.m. through Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is going to be our last shebang with these times. And then the following week, April 23rd, we'll see you at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. And then here's our announcement for the Metro Praise International app. If you have not downloaded it yet, please do so. You have everything at your fingertips, whether it's the 365 daily devotionals, the tithing lesson, the schedule for life groups, everything that you need to know about the church is right there on this app. So we want to keep reminding you guys that it's out there. It's also a great evangelism tool for you to use for your friends and family or people that you're witnessing to so they could check out information about the church. So go ahead and download that. Here at Metro Praise, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. And then we have a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. And so we want you to first connect to the church. We want to connect you to Metro Praise through our life groups. And we're starting a new quarter it's our spring quarter, and we're really excited about all the life groups that are going to continue to be happening for April, May, and June. We have a video for you so that you can see all the announcements with all the different life group leaders. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe, my wife, Nancy. We love Jesus. We love serving you as your uh, lead pastors here at Metro Praise International. And we want you to spring yourself on over to our spring life groups. So you know what I did right there? See, it's spring and you're going to spring over. Yeah, what do you have to say about so that? So hop on by and join us for our spring quarter of life groups. There's one for everybody in the family. 
get connected and stay connected. Hi everybody, we are pastors Tony and Jerry Vivit. We host Friday Night Life Group every single Friday at our house. So come on out for worship, the word, and some good time of fellowship. See you guys there. Hi, we're the Goveas, and we want to welcome you to our home Bible study. Where we have a time of worship, word, and fellowship. We invite you to come out every Friday at 7 p.m. We have child care provided. See you there. Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm a leader at Encounter Prayer Night. We meet every last Tuesday at 7 p.m. Come on out and encounter God through prayer and worship. Hello, my name is Jose Riesco. I'm a leader at the MPI Gang Outreach. We meet every Thursday at 7 p.m. to go out to the streets of Chicago and preach the gospel. I encourage you to, enjoy, uh, to join us as we win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, this is Joseph here. I'm part of the Ambassadors Youth Life Group that meets every first and third Saturday at 1 p.m. We have a lot of fun. It's real dope. You should come out. We have activities. We get into the word. It's a blessing, man. You should come through, okay? See you there. What's up, folks? My name is Lawrence. I'm one of the leaders of the Resistance Youth Life Group. We meet up every first and third Tuesday right here at the church at 6 p.m. We have an awesome time of food, fun, fellowship, worship, prayer, all of that right here. We'd love to see you come out. Amen. Hey, this is Ricky and Rachel, and we lead the Marriage Life Group once a month here at the church at 5 p.m., and we want to invite you to come. This quarter, we're going to be talking about conflict resolution. Also, in June, we're going to have our annual scavenger hunt, so come, bring your kids, and check us out on Facebook. Hi, my name is Lauren Sciensky. This is Cynthia Rodon, and we lead the Single Moms Life Group. We meet twice a month on Sundays at 5.30 here at the church. Check us out on Facebook, and we would love to see you there. We get into the Word. We worship. Come be a part of what God is doing in our life group. Hi, my name is Christina. I'm a leader here in our children's ministry, King's Kids, and I want to invite your family to join us every Wednesday night for our Girls and Boys Clubs, Impact and Royal Rangers. We meet every Wednesday at 6.30 and pick up visit 8 p.m. It's a great opportunity for your kids to connect, learn the Word of God, and apply to their lives. We hope you can join us. Hey, how you doing? My name is Rudy. I lead the Evangelism Life Group every Saturday here at the church at 5 o'clock. We come, we get trained up, we hit the streets to deliver the gospel to all areas of Chicago. We want you to join us. Be a light to the city. God bless. Amen. Come on, give it up one more time for our life group leaders. Woo. So we want to encourage you guys to find a life group to connect to and be faithful to. Here's a snapshot of what's kicking it off for this week. Tuesday, the Resistance Life Group, uh, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, King's Kids every week, 6.30 at the church. You want your children to be a part of that. Thursday, gang outreach, hitting the streets at 7 o'clock, meeting here first. And then Friday, two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivid's house, 7 p.m. Be there if you're over 18, 18 or over. Don't miss out. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. The 101 is done one-on-one. -on -one. Welcome to your new life. This is where leaders uh, come alongside of you and encourage you, train you to be a disciple, to reach all the uh, potential that God has called to have in your life. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader so that one day you could be ordained as a deacon or an elder here. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say Send. Come on, we want to send you out to do evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8. They hit the streets preaching the gospel to people in our city who are dying all around us. It is our responsibility to go and let them know the good news of salvation. And so in recap, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy to connect you, mentor you, and send you out. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Woo! Are you guys excited to give your tithes and offerings now? Praise the Lord. 
We're going to get into our giving lesson in just a moment. We believe here that the scriptures teach that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. And an offering is an amount that is between you and the Lord that's given after the tithe. God puts that amount in your heart to give, and we designate that towards missions and towards the building fund. So let's get into the lesson for today in the Disciples Giving Book, Lesson 14. The tithe is a partnership with God. Again, the definition of uh, the tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Isn't that an awesome prayer? Here are two main points. Number one, Jacob made a commitment to God. Just like how Jacob made a vow, a promise to serve God, we should commit our lives to always follow Jesus, no matter what. Look to your neighbor and say, no matter what. We live for Jesus no matter what. Number two, Jacob partnered with God through tithing. In the same way, Jacob was willing to give one-tenth of everything he had in life because he recognized it was from God. We should also be willing to tithe and partner with God. So just like everything that we have already belongs to the Lord, let's partner with him to be co-laborers on this earth, giving back the 10% and entrusting him with our finances so that we could build his kingdom upon this earth. So in summary... Make a commitment to serve God all the days of your life and partner with him by giving back 10% of everything that he gives you. Isn't that exciting? How many of you guys love to be co-laborers, co-heirs with Christ upon this earth? We get the honor and privilege of expanding the kingdom of God. So let's apply this to our life. Number one, realize that everything you have and will ever have is because of God. Nothing comes because of our own strength. Number two, Therefore, honor your partnership with God by tithing and not being greedy, stingy, or prideful. Because naked you came into this world and naked you will leave. Only what you do for God will last for eternity. And number three, partnership. When God blesses you, bless him in return. Come on, let's all get excited as we confess this confession over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Let's all stand up. As we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings today, again, a tithe is 10% of our total income, an offering we designate towards missions and towards the building fund. If you're going to be filling out an envelope, please be very specific about each amount that you want allocated towards those categories and write your name uh, on the envelope clearly so that we can credit the funds to you at the end of the year. Here are, oh, here's our... Um, our building fund report, we have raised up to date since January $3,632 for a total of, in March alone, $777. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are well on our way. We have $6,368 left. God is on the move. We are believing for all that we have planned in the building project for this year to come to pass. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you for your partnership. We do not take it for granted. Here are seven ways that you could give at MPI. 
Number one in the front during the offering, two in the back with a credit or debit card in the wall-mounted drop boxes on the MPI app. You can use Chase QuickPay at give at mpichurch.org. You could also text MPI Give to 206-859-9405. And lastly, go online at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite this together. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your bountiful blessings in our life. I pray that we would be faithful with the tithe, faithful with the offering, knowing that all that we have already belongs to you. I ask, oh Lord, that as we co-labor with you and give you the 10%, that you would expand it, that you would multiply it for your kingdom. I pray that MPI will win Chicago for Jesus and uh, help the gospel to be preached at the ends of the earth. Bless the gift and the giver today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for your generosity. Please come forward as you give. All right, how's everybody doing today? Make some noise. Woo! Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. What's up? Well, I am so glad that you are here, and I want to tell you that you guys did an amazing job with the second service at 1 o'clock. Give yourselves a hand clap. Come on, you guys did good. It's just that the market spoke. It really did. We did 10 and 1 p.m. for two years. Two years we did that time. And 1 p.m. just never caught on. It just wasn't the right time for the way the church was growing. Now, you would think with the church, with a lot of young adults, that a lot of people would like the 1 o'clock. And we do well. There's a good group of you here. But just to give it in comparison, I know Daryl had stopped in there for a little bit. There was almost 170 people here at the 10 a.m. There, there was basically almost no more seats. You were sitting in the back row of the, of the overflow section. And that means we can't expand anymore. So it's like the second service was meant to give us the expansion, but people are like, no bueno, I don't like 1 o'clock. And, and no offense to you guys because you like 1 o'clock, and I think if I was going to church somewhere and wasn't the pastor, I would be like 1 o'clock, get up, have some lunch, hang out with my kids, ride my bike, do whatever I do, and then show up. 
but it just wasn't really working. And then once again, you would think with this number, maybe 35 to, to 50 adults, depending on young adults here, that there wouldn't be that many children in the back, but that's incorrect as well because you have my wife here with five, and then you have a lot of little babies that come back there. And we got to give it up for Yuli, wherever he is. Ashley, I just, and they just had their baby. Let's give it up wherever Yuli went. Where'd he go? We got to go find him. Okay, anyways, uh, so the, the idea is the children's workers were literally being back there every single week. They were there every single week. And so the, the children's workers, I want to say thank you. Stephanie, thank you so much. Look at you got your hair, dear girl, looking good. Amazing. You guys are amazing. Catherine, thank you very much. For those that were consistently back there, thank you, thank you, thank you. If I forgot anybody else. Otherwise, I, I just want to tell you this. Now we want you to pick the one that's going to work best for you, nine or 11. And really the only thing that's going to change noticeably in this is that I will be preaching less. Now some of you may be like, mm, I miss you, Pastor. I need more of you. Well, then you can listen to my stuff online. I preach a Again, on Monday uh, to the Bible College, and I have over 12 years of preaching a thousand sermons in an online podcast. You look up Metro Praise International, the podcast has over a thousand sermons on everything you can imagine. You can even search by name. And so pick the one that works best for you. I'll only be preaching 35 minutes now. And so to prepare you guys for that, I started last week preaching 35 minutes. And some of you who are here, you got up when I said everybody stand you were looking at your clock going there's no way he's done this is a trick this is just the introduction but I was doing that because a lot of the people who knew that I was going to be announcing this change they literally said to me they said pastor there's no way you are going to preach 35 minutes you don't you don't even preach an hour most of the time you preach an hour five ten minutes sometimes an hour and a half and I said no I'm going to show you guys and they didn't believe me and these are our leaders these are the elders or the deacons even my wife was like I don't know I don't know so I said you know what I'm going to do I said last week to myself and I did let my wife know because I know she has to run some things back there I said I'm going to surprise everybody I'm going to preach 35 minutes and so that was that was a challenge, but now I'm really excited about it. As a church that wants to experience God, we don't want to take out the experience of the Holy Spirit. But I really feel if I can just transfer a little bit of that time to make the two services work, then this is what you can do. And I know some people do this already. They will serve in one service and be a part of the other service. Instead of now that being 10 to 1 and it ending at 5, someone can come be a part of the 9, serve and help out, and then they can come to the 11 be done by 12:30 which would have been the time of the first service so you can do serve and be a part of it with your family cuz sometimes you see the ushers the sound guys the security away from their family and they would have been done in the first uh, service time cuz we normally get done around 12:30 but now here's the deal cuz i see a little sad faces those of you who just love 1 o'clock you just love it's just pastor don't make me come at 11 that means i got to get up at 10 i don't want to do that and we we do have some third shift people that really, you know, have some good reasons to want to sleep in. Here's my thing. You can have church at 1 o'clock with your family. You can <coughs> CPR. <coughs> I need water. Probably never had that happen. 
talk to your neighbor. Put on party music. Oh, the devil's a liar. How many of you have ever had dry throat and something gets in there? Keep the music going. It's going to take a few minutes. We do have a doctor and a nurse. I have no idea. My throat was dry, and I guess I wasn't paying attention to it, and I must have just sucked in some dust molecule. It felt like I was going to die. <coughs> okay. So going back to it, if you really, thank you, gentlemen, really love 1 o'clock, come to us for 9 or 11, and then have a church service with your family at 1 o'clock. Just say, we're going to have church at 1. So that's our best to give you guys at this time, and I want you to pick one. And if you guys all stick with the 11, that would be awesome, because obviously uh, the 9 a.m. may be the more important, uh, not more important, I didn't mean that at all, may be the more um, easily attended and so that's, that's just going to be an issue if everybody now does 9 and then nobody goes to 11. But to ensure that, what I did is I split my leadership team right down the middle. Okay, so I did that so we can do this. Let's go to Ephesians 1.3. I'm going to have Joe B. come. No, you know what? I'll have Daryl come and read the scripture, and I'm going to try to fix my throat right here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And he's going to read this scripture, and then I'm going to decide, what do I have to do? Maybe to see our doctor, she can get out the stethoscope. How do you say that? Tethoscope? Stethoscope. Thank you. Would you read verses 3 through 14, please? Yep, sure. <clears throat> Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, <clears throat> he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which, is freely give, which he free, has freely given us, excuse me, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed uh, in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ let's go to verse 11 there we are. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Mm. And, you who, and you also were included in Christ. 
when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked with, I'm sorry, let me start that over. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the, to the praise of his glory. Amen. I can keep going, you know, if you want. <laughs> Do I still have a job? All right. My throat is fixed. That is the first time in, in like my whole years of preaching, 20 years, that I've had to do that. There was only another time in India, something happened with my sinuses, and every time I speak, it made my sinuses expand to the point where it made me feel that feeling of brain freeze. Have you ever had that when you're eating ice cream? And it's like, boom. Well, every time I would speak, it would just boom like that. And so literally in the middle of the message, I had to go, brother, I need you to keep preaching. So I don't know what happened. Maybe the devil was attacking. But I am ready to rip and roar and preach for Jesus. Okay. Okay, so today we're talking about uh, praising God. It's in our series on Ephesians, and so if you're joining with us for the first time, you're here for a great service, despite my voice there for a minute, but we are on like Donkey Kong now. The concept in the book of Ephesians written by Paul is that we are in Christ, and I thought at the beginning of this year, 2017, I could preach the book of Ephesians maybe in about six months. After preaching five messages just on verse one, I was like, maybe we might be here a little bit longer than six months. We might be in Ephesians for a year, then preaching eight messages just on two verses. This is the first time we've gotten to verse three, and January was a long time ago, right? You guys tracking with me? I'm like, we're probably going to be in the book of Ephesians until the four horsemen of the apocalypse come, the rapture, the trumpet. So here's what I want you all to do. I want you to read the book of Ephesians every single week. Now, you may say to yourself, Pastor, how long does it take? Because I don't have a lot of time. Let me tell you how long it took for me. Yesterday, I, I, do, I do my cardio every uh, day. I do about five to six times a, a week. I do two hours of cardio bike riding. And here's the deal. I went one direction, one hour, I listened to the book of Ephesians on an awesome app with some hip-hop in the background, or you can listen to the classic where it's like, you know, praise God the Father. You know, you can listen to the classic on iTunes, you can find them all over. How many times in one round, one hour, just halfway there, 15 miles before I take my 15-mile bike ride back home, how many times do you think I listened to the book of Ephesians in one hour? One time? Two times? Were you there in the first service? Are you cheating or are you just guessing? Because that was a pretty good guess. You weren't here in the first? Let's give it up for Fred. I'm sorry. I thought you were cheating. Sometimes you do like double duty. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you were being like, you know. Okay. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. So three times. You know why? It only takes 20 minutes. 20 minutes. How many of you guys think you could take 20 minutes out of your week and listen to the book of Ephesians? If you read it, you can get done in probably about a half hour. So I want you to go through it every single week. Why? Because you're going to miss key concepts unless you do. As Daryl was reading, did you notice how many things Paul was thankful for? He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts listing off all the things that he's thankful for. And the first thing is being blessed in heavenly realms, and he names all of these things off. Now think about this. This is not written according to the way we read things in our modern-day English. This is, in a lot of ways, a run-on sentence. There may be a few periods here and there, but just take, for example, verse 7 and onward. 
Uh, look at this. <coughs> look at I'm so sorry, guys. If I have to stop preaching today, we'll just let you guys go home or have my wife preach. But I have no idea what's going on with my throat. Excuse me, I'll cough like that a couple times. I think I will be fine. Look at verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. There's only really one period there in the middle of verse 8 that he lavished on us. But listen to how it runs on, as we would say a run-on sentence. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now listen to this long sentence here. With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. If you think you're going to read this one time and capture everything Paul is saying, you are in pride. There is no way you are going to capture everything this man is saying. The reason is he is not writing like what we are used to. He is writing divine scripture as the Holy Spirit is giving it to him. And it may seem like it's a run-on sentence for us, but these are the compound and complex thoughts that God wants to place in our minds. And so what I have done is listed out the 14 things in this passage, in those verses, that Paul says he is thankful for. And guess what? These are going to be the next 14 messages from the book of Ephesians. You are going to go through every single one of these concepts for the next 14 weeks until they become a part of your mindset. We will not sell ourselves short of the Word of God here. Amen? The messages may be a little bit shorter, but I'm going to power pack them with a little bit more dynamite. Amen? Because I don't want us to lose out on anything that God has for us. See if you could track with the 14 things that Paul said he was thankful for as I go over the 14 that I found. These are the 14 that I found in many of those run-on sentences. He's thankful that he's blessed with every spiritual blessing, that he's chosen to be holy and blameless. And now notice this. As Paul is saying these are the things he's thankful for, he's actually putting it on them. Just to notice his writing style, he's saying, I'm thankful that we are blessed in heavenly realms. He's using it in the plural, us. Very similar to how Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, the plural, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then when it gets into those requests, we pray for our daily bread, not just my daily bread. So he's a, a teacher showing that it's not just for him, but it's everybody. Look, for he chose us. Do you guys get the plural there? Can I hear an amen for the plural? Okay, so that's, his, that's the beauty of his writing there is he's including us in his thankfulness. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Chosen to be holy and blameless. Adoption to sonship. Glorious grace. He was thankful for God's glorious grace. Anybody else here thankful for grace? Won't find it anywhere else other than Jesus. Redemption and forgiveness. Being lavish. Listen to that word, lavish, with wisdom and understanding. Knowing God's mysterious will. See, many of you, you like CSI. Anybody here like the CSI kind of series on TV? And the reason is because you like figuring things out. Well, guess what? The mystery of God's will can be figured out. 
There is no mystery of God's will that you cannot figure out. If you have talked to people and they say, well, that's just a mystery. That's just a mystery. They, don't, they say, we, we can never know that. That is not true. You can understand the mystery of God's will. It's not meant to be undiscovered. It is meant to be discovered. So you may say, well, pastor, I was brought up, you know, and uh, someone hurt me and did something bad to me, and I went to a pastor, and they said, well, we'll never know why that happened. I know why that happened. The Bible tells us why. There's a devil. They listen to the devil. Why do good things happen, uh, bad things happen to good people? Because people make bad choices. Now, what does God say he's going to do about it? He says he's going to turn every wrong and make it right. Boom, mic drop. Now, you may not like that answer, but that's the answer. Do you understand? That's the answer. Why was there a Hitler? Hitler did satanic stuff. Why did God allow satanic stuff upon this earth? To turn and use for his good. That's the answer, whether you like it or not. God tells us we can know his will. Y'all better be there for that message, amen? We're unified with Christ. Wow, what an amazing concept. I can't wait to preach on that. He was thankful for God's plan. Everything that you experience in Christ is used for his purpose. Even your pain has a purpose. The pain that we have is to show us that we can't trust what is in this world through pleasure. So you say, my daddy beat me up, was abusive to me. Well, you're right. Your daddy did wrong. If he dies, he's going to hell. That's going to be taken care of. But why did God allow bad people to beat children, misabuse them, mistreat them? Is to show you people fail you. People bad. God good. Did you learn the lesson? Or are you looking now for a sugar daddy? Come on, somebody. You said, oh, this daddy beat me. Now I'm a lost girl, and I got daddy issues, and I'm going to go try to find it in a man. You missed the point. Daddy issues teach you that people are bad. God is good. Heavenly Father never fails. Man always fails. See, those are the, those are the answers that people don't want to hear because it requires them to trust God. Requires me to trust God. Why did my sister die drinking and driving while wicked people get to live into their 70s or 80s? God said, you live like this, you shall die. He pulls the card when it's his time. So he said, it's my time to pull, uh, it's, it's my decision to pull your sister's card. I'll pull it then. I'll pull this person's card then. My decision, my will. Any further questions? See, there's your answer. You may not like the answer, but that's the answer. God decides when wicked and righteous people die. Can I hear an amen? You may say, I don't like that will. Well, go ahead and create your own universe. Be your own God and see how that works for you. But since you can't, that's called idolatry. Who was the one that said you could be your own God? That's the devil. Thinking like that makes you like the devil. So what do we do? We trust God. We go back to that Bible. See, let me, everyone, look up at me, please. Do you know that the Bible is the only book that can explain why there's even evil in this world? It's only the Bible that can explain that. When people come to us as Christians and say, I have a problem with evil, our Bible has the answer. There was never a problem in our book that wasn't already solved before the problem. Y'all ain't even getting on that. But that's another day. That's another day. Made to praise God's glory. Somebody say, I was made to praise you were made to praise. And see, Paul was thankful to God for that. See, Paul didn't see himself just as a little like pawn on Jesus's chest uh, board, just being moved around any which way. No, he knew that he was made to praise, and that was a good thing for him. He was thankful for the gospel. He was thankful that he was marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. He was thankful that he got a guaranteed inheritance. Guaranteed. You hear about these slot machines all the time at these, uh, uh, these casinos. You, we have the highest level 
couple of winners, you're guaranteed to win something. Yeah, but those casinos don't get to make a million dollars by you winning all their money. You may be guaranteed to win a dollar, but you're going to spend $20. Come on, somebody. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing it, but just understand what you're getting yourself into. Can I hear an amen? And then lastly, he was thankful to be God's possession. How many did you find in that passage? Now, once again, it's not even a fault of Daryl. Daryl was my, my, life, my lifeline, my savior at that moment to come up and get me out of that. But it doesn't matter if you have the greatest orator read through that. It is impossible to catch everything that God is doing in that passage on your first reading. You, over these next 14 weeks, have to go through that passage. I have read this passage to myself and saw new stuff. I have, re- I have listened to it three times over as I did yesterday and seen new stuff. As a matter of fact, when I was making this list, I started off with seven because I like the number seven. And then I found one more, eight. And I said, well, I don't really like the number eight. Maybe there's two more in there. And then I found ten. And I said, I'm good at ten. But I reread it again. I probably read this about four or five times yesterday. I reread it again, and then I found twelve. And I said, no, this has got to be good right here. But then when I was riding my bike again, listening to it, I said, there's two more up in this thing. There's there's 14 reasons to praise God. Now, the reason why most of us don't see these as our reasons is because we think this is deep theological stuff. Like, I'm supposed to praise God because I'm his possession. I'm lavished with wisdom. Like, what's that? I'll praise God when I get a paycheck. I'll praise God when he heals my cold. I'll praise God when somebody I like, you know, asks me out as a single person. But you know what? The only reason why any of these things work in your life like that is because God did all of this. And so it's time to stop seeking just God's hand like you, Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. And it's time to start seeking God's face and understand who he is in his character. Why does God want to bless you when you pray to him? Why does God want to heal you when you ask him? Why is it when you are in church or doing Christian things that you sense a closeness to God? Why is it that you have an ability to even understand these scriptures and to apply them and see the wisdom come out? It's because of what we just learned here. So let's go through them individually. Somebody say, bring it. Okay, let's go through them, and then every week after this, I'm going to preach a whole message on them until you can walk away from this passage and go, I understand what Paul is thankful for. I have the same heart inside of me. So next week, what am I going to preach on? What's going to be my title of, my, of next week's sermon? Boom, come next week and hear that. But listen to how Paul said it, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Am I lacking right now any blessing in Christ? How many blessings do I have in Christ right now? All of them. Listen to what David said in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So where's the disconnect when we have all these unmet needs? When we're in the real world and we're saying, I need this, I want this, why don't I have this? I've prayed to God 20 times and asked him for it because we don't understand his plan. We don't understand the purpose. There are some things that you're praying for God doesn't want to give you at this time, so it's not no, it's wait. There are other things that God is saying no to because he doesn't want you to have that. He knows what it will do to you. There was once a girl that I wanted to marry, and I'm so glad God said no, because if I would have did that, I wouldn't be here today. I can just tell you right now, that would have cost me a lot more than I ever wanted to pay. And there are some things that God not only says no to or to wait, but there's other things that God says yes, but you're not ready. 
There are things that God says, there's a waiting time, but the waiting time is not on me. The waiting time is on you. So it's like, you are going to get this. This is already a yes, but I need to see you come up so that you can receive it. I need to see you have a mindset and a mentality that you can walk in it. So for, for me as a pastor, I remember starting off saying, we wanted to have a Bible college. We wanted to see young people get into the ministry. And God said, yes, you got it, but you got to start right now with where you're at. Finish your degree. And I had to go get my master's degree. And then I had to partner with the right school that I had graduated from in New Orleans that now was starting an online campus. And then I had to be willing to start with one or two students, two students, and one dropped out. We only had one left. Come on, somebody. And so there was a divine yes. But there was a change that had to happen. And then there's other times you're going to pray lastly, and God will say, yes, right now, boom, shakalaka, receive it. Now, those are the ones that we want all the time, right? But now watch this. Every spiritual blessing is already in Christ. That means that whenever God is dropping the blessing on you, he didn't recreate it or do something like miraculous in that moment. He says it's already been here this whole entire time. Whatever is meant for you is already in Christ right now for you. That's why I'm not jealous when other churches get blessed. Let them go and do and grow and get all that God has for them. Because I know our 100,000 belongs to us in Jesus' name. There's 8 million people in this city, amen? Let them take the 700,000, uh, 7,900,000. That's between them and God. So if the church next to me grows up to a million, I ain't hating, I'm celebrating, amen? Because I know there's still 100,000 for us, amen? Because every blessing that he's promised us is in Christ. Now notice that it's in heavenly realms. Y'all got to come next week to understand how you're here in this building, but you're also in heavenly realms. I even got time to talk about that, but it's going to be mind-blowing. And let me just say this, subatomic uh, physics and and the physicists who do this, I'm going to play a video hopefully, will show you how even the underlying nature of our physical world points to a spiritual origin and how everything proceeds from the spirit. And so it is not uh, uh, science fiction. It is is not uh, plain make-believe to believe that as I am here, I am also with Jesus in heavenly realms. Because heavenly realms, as I preach a little bit of it right now, does not necessarily mean somewhere over there, over the rainbow. Heavenly realms can be in another dimension right here, right now. Y'all ain't even ready for that. Y'all ain't ready for multi-dimensional blessings. I'm going to blow some of your minds when you come. But the whole point is that it's always in Christ. I'm not taking some new age journey in a sweat lodge off in some desert in Arizona somewhere. I'm not climbing up to a Tibetan mountaintop to do yoga with the Dalai Lama. Right here is the kingdom of God within me. Right here are the heavenly realms with everything that I need. That's why when two or three gather together, come on somebody, Jesus is in the midst of them. And Jesus never got off of his throne. So think about that for a minute. Amen. And the next one, he says, I'm chosen to be holy and blameless. This is something that I've talked to some of you guys about who have gone to other churches, and I can't explain why some churches are sleeping on this other than they don't want to be obedient to what Christ said. Listen to what it says. For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and unblemished in his sight in what? In love. So why are all these Christians walking around saying nobody's perfect? In Christ, I am perfect. Before Christ, I was unperfect. I was incomplete, blemished, and unholy. But who am I in his sight, in his love? Holy and what? 
blameless, and what else? Unblemished. I was chosen to be that before the foundation of the world. Did Adam and Eve sin before the foundation of the world or after the foundation of the world? Was Jesus the answer to the sin problem before they sinned or after they sinned? Jesus was the answer before they even sinned. You see, the world is wicked because God gave man free will. Free will made the wrong decisions. Adam and Eve, representative of mankind, brought the blemish, brought unholiness. But guess what? You don't got to stay outside of Christ no more. In Christ, you can be brought into holiness. It is not a holiness that you earn. It is not a blamelessness or an unblemishedness that you scrub yourself down to get. It is when you come in him, in his sight, and in love, you are holy. Outside of him, you are as jacked up as you ever were. When Judas was in Jesus, he was perfect and holy and blameless. When Judas stepped out of Jesus for his own greed's sake, he was the sinner that he had always been damned, worthy of hell and destruction. Which one do you want to be, unholy on your way to hell, or do you want to be holy and blameless on your way to heaven with Jesus? Come on, because he chose us in Christ for this. I was chosen before Adam and Eve ever even sinned for this. This is not an accident to God. God gave man a choice. They made the wrong one, but he said, I got this. I'm going to come down and be their sacrifice so that in me they can be made as white as snow. In me they can be holy and perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. They can be blameless, unblemished. And what is the example he gives us? Is the bride dressed in white coming to be married. That bride is not going to come before their husband with all of this junk on their, their dress. They are going to come with that blameless, unblemished dress. And that's how we come before Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Adopted to sonship. Bible says he predestined us for adoption to sonship to Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Have you ever seen those movies where the a person's living in the orphanage and they're being abused or they're in foster care and they're not being cared for? All of us, the Bible says, as humanity, we're the bastard children of the devil that he oppressed and put us in his wicked orphanage full of sin and evil. But it was Jesus who came and said, I want you, I want you, and purchased you, purchased me with his own blood and didn't just say you get to sleep outside with the animals in the barn who said you get to come inside and have the privileges as a son or a daughter, a prince or a princess of a king. And so you've got to understand what God did for you. You have been adopted. There is no greater language that could be used of his love for us than adoption. As a pastor, I have watched single moms come to this church, and there's nothing more heartbreaking to me than see a single mom who's been hurt in life, who has been disappointed, holding on, doing all that she can to hold on for her children, come to church, start living for God, and then all of a sudden go with that first bozo that bats an eye at her, takes her out to McDonald's or puts her on a bus and pays the way, and now she just throws open her life and says, you must be the one, and compromises her faith. There's nothing that breaks my heart more because all I have to say is stupid it is stupid does. Here comes the next baby dada, daddy, new baby drama for your mama right there. All this is going to keep on repeating, but at the same time as that frustrates me and hurts me, there's nothing that blesses me more than when I see a single mom come to the church and she says, it's been tough for me. Maybe I've made some mistakes, but I'm going to know my identity in Christ. I'm going to know my worth. I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to wait for a man to find me. I don't got to hunt down some dude on Facebook. I'm going to wait for a man of God to find me and I want to tell you what I have done 
on weddings in this church where men have married the women, brought the children into their home, made it one happy family, and even adopted the children that that other dude didn't want, but now treats them as his own sons and daughters. You see, that's what adoption looks like in the real world, and there's nothing like it to show you the love and the compassion of a father, and that's what God did for you. You didn't deserve to be adopted. He adopted you because he loved you. He cared for you. We are thankful for his glorious grace. Look at what Paul says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Religion says you better earn this grace. You better pray five times towards a pagan temple in Saudi Arabia if you want this grace. You better come see Father Tom if you want this grace. You better pedal your bike and knock on doors if you want this grace. But this is what the Bible says, that his grace is given to us freely. Somebody say freely. F-R-E-E what? Free. It's free in Jesus. That's what separates Christianity from all the religions of the world. I listened to a debate the other day with a Jewish rabbi and a Christian minister, and the Jewish rabbi kept saying over and over and over again, that's not fair. Why is that the way it's got to be? We have to keep commandments if we want to be saved, and the minister kept going back at him. He kept saying, but have you kept these laws? Are you perfect at it? You have failed. You cannot change yourself. It's like trying to give yourself a heart transplant. Can you do it? Can you give yourself a blood transfusion? Come on, people. You need the grace of God to save you, not by your own works, but in Christ there is salvation. In Christ there is redemption. There is a heart transformation, a blood transfusion. That goes to the right to the next one. Thank you, Paul, helping me preach this afternoon. Because in him, in verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Jesus gives grace freely, but it costs him his blood. Think about that. You are forgiven freely, but it cost Jesus his blood. He died so you could live. So how do you look at your forgiveness? Do you look at your forgiveness in the blood of Jesus as a dirty rag like one I keep in the garage after I've worked on the lawnmower? I just come and wipe my hands on it, take no value of that rag, and just throw it down? Is that how you look at the grace of God? Well, I sinned today, and you know, God, that's what he does. He forgives, and that's good for me. I'm going to go off to sin again, and then he'll be there to forgive me, and that's good for me. Or do you look at Jesus and say, I didn't deserve this? You died on the cross for me. You were whipped 39 times. They put a crown of thorns on your head. They put piercings and nails through your arms. You did that for me. I will live holy for you, Jesus. I will love you with the love you've loved me. See, forgiveness is not permission to keep on sinning, but permission to stop sinning. When I give forgiveness to my children for doing something wrong and they get their time out and they come back and there's now a restoration and I say, why did daddy give you a time out? And they say, oh, because I was beating up on my sibling. I was beating up on so-and-so. Okay, you know you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, okay, I forgive you. Daddy loves you. When I do that, I have not given them permission to go out and beat them up again. What I have given them permission to do is now not do it. I have said, your wrongs have been taken from you. Now go and sin no more. Doesn't that sound familiar? Jesus said to the woman in adultery, where are those who want to stone you? Nobody, my Lord, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. The redemption and forgiveness is for a new life. Somebody say new life. Amen. He lavished us with wisdom and understanding. Every time I teach somebody the Bible, I have to start off by teaching this. You won't get this unless the Lord gives you the wisdom and understanding. So do what the Bible says and ask him for it. 
The Bible says in the book of James, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask the Father who gives generously, and he'll give to all who ask. So you say, I don't understand the Trinity. Ask God to understand the Trinity. You say you don't understand these passages that Paul runs on in? Pray that you might run, uh, understand his run-on sentences. The reason why I am a pastor is not because I'm so smart and figured it out. It's because God lavished, lavished, poured it all over me, wisdom and understanding. How many are thankful God did that for you? One of the first things I noticed when I read the Bible is God was teaching me stuff. I was like, man, this is coming to me like it never has before. And the Bible literally says of itself that an unregenerate, a non-born-again person will think the Bible is foolish. They'll think it's foolish when you teach them these things. They'll look at the natural world and think that all that is is all that will ever be. And the Bible says that's the fool. But it's the godly one who has the eyes of their understanding opened so that they can be enlightened to see the things of God. I remember that, how many of you remember that old worship song, Open the Eyes of My Heart? Amen. Knowing God's mysterious will. We'll learn about how to tap into that will of God so that there will be no more mysteries with you and God. Things will be uncovered. Lights will be turned on. Look at how Paul said it again. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Any of you here still in the mystery of God's will? That's okay. Let God make it known to you. Let God give you the confidence to trust and know him. You may not always like the answers, but he'll give you one. Unified with Christ. I can't wait for this message right here. Unified with Christ. Look what Paul says. To be put in effect when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Get this right here. As people look at you as a Christian, they sometimes think that what you're doing is make-believe. And then if you're not careful, you can start walking around with a chip on your shoulder like, man, you know, I went to church today, but I could have gone to work and made more money, but it's worth it. It's a sacrifice. And you can start walking around with this chip like, like, you know what, it's a nice day. Maybe I'll just, you know, hang out with my family, but, oh, I'll go to church because it's worth it. You'll start walking around as if Christianity is a ball and chain. And if you do it, you're just this suffering saint that really needs a, a hand clap and applause. No, no. No, no, no. What you are is a naive, ignorant saint. You don't understand even what you're doing and why you're doing it. Listen to me. Bill Gates, don't feel sorry for me because when the kingdom comes, you'll be doing my laundry and, and vacuuming my house and taking care of my garden. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible also goes on to say that when Christ comes, that we will be kings and priests. You see, you don't understand that until you get into the book of Revelation. But Paul believed that even before the book of Revelation was even written. He understood there was going to come a time when everyone who was with Christ would be in unity with him and heaven and earth would submit to him. Do you get that? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. Everybody look up at me, please. The devil, he's running outside of, of Christ right now. He's doing rebellious things. Those who live like that will be in the lake of fire. Don't feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for the one who's going to hell. Feel sorry for the one who's outside of Christ. Feel sorry for the Christian who doesn't know the kingdom to come and the unity that's within Jesus. That's literally what Jesus taught us when he said, my kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then you get into the plan of God, everything being conformed to the purpose of his will. There will be nothing at judgment day that you will be like, 
oh, snickerdoodles, God, I wish you would have did it this way. You know, God, I'm so much smarter than you. Let me just tell you what I figured out when I was on earth. You see, if you'd have let me get that job and you wouldn't have let that person, this would, you, every mouth will be silenced on judgment day. And you will throw up your hands and say, thank you, God, for your plan. Your plan was the best. I'm glad everything was in conformity to your will. And then we will praise God for his glory. Paul said, I am thankful that I get to praise God for his glory in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Do you look at yourself as a Christian, as I said before, as a pawn, or do you look at yourself as someone made to praise? That's going to be a wonderful message. And then the gospel. Listen to this. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. How important do you think the gospel is to this world right now? Paul says the gospel is the power of God and salvation. It's only the gospel that can reconcile the cultures and the world that we live in today. I don't believe in races. I believe in one human race, but I believe in different cultures, and only God can reconcile that through the gospel. Only God can bring peace in the Middle East through the gospel and what's going on with ISIS. Only God can transform the hearts of corrupted politicians and businessmen through the gospel, marked and sealed in him. Some of you all bored already. You're bored. You're bored. Let's get done with it. You guys will either be here for the next 14 weeks hearing these things, or I'll be preaching to someone who does. Amen? So it's up to you whether or not you come back, but we going through the Bible because it means something to us. I remember one preacher saying, every time I talk about my dog, they cry. And every time I tell the story about me doing this, they get motivated. He says, but you get to tell the heart of true Christians when all you do is talk about the Bible. Now, of course, we got to make it real to your life, but I hope it's not boring to you. And I know many of you are encouraged by it. The marking and the sealing. Think about that. The marking and the sealing. Paul says, I'm thankful that I'm marked. So look at your spirit as, a, as, a, as a, 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 the wet or rather the melted uh, wax and think about the Holy Spirit coming in with the signet ring of his nature and him imprinting your spirit with his nature. Think about that. That's what it means to be marked in the Holy Spirit. So why is it I am blameless? Did I make myself blameless? No, I was marked and formed blameless by the Holy Spirit. And then it says sealed. That means no one can take you out of the Holy Spirit. That means you just think of like you put things in a bag and you seal it up and you put it in the refrigerator and it's sealed inside of there. This is not even a seal that someone else can open because I could come into your house and open up that bag and eat your you know, tuna sandwich or whatever you had left over. But this is a seal that no one can open. You are sealed forever in Christ. Can I get an amen for that? A lot of amens here. Two more to go. Guaranteed inheritance. Who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption? And that's why I say, not in a way like Bill Gates is going to be doing my laundry, making that all funny, which I know that's kind of funny, but the point is I have an inheritance that's greater than what Bill Gates has today. And you have an inheritance. But if you don't believe that, you'll trade what you have now for what they have, and you'll both lose in the end. So I, I want you to be successful as a pastor. Just don't trade your inheritance to get it. Think about the two brothers. Uh, there was Jacob 
and Esau, both sons of Isaac. And so they had the inheritance of their father. But one day Esau was hungry and uh, Jacob had some food and he said, I am so hungry, I'll do whatever it takes to get that food. And so Jacob, the schemer, said to his brother, give me your inheritance and I'll give you food. And because of his foolishness, he traded his inheritance for that food. He lost the inheritance. Are you guys tracking with me? Also in the Bible, you learn about the prodigal son. What does he do? He takes the little inheritance that his dad has for him, goes and squanders it, has nothing. This is the example of sinners. They take their 80 years and they waste it. And God says, I have an eternal inheritance. Imagine if you live, come on, watch me right here. Imagine if you live just for 80 years and your 80 years of life, your 80 years is, is signified by this time frame of the, uh, the tissue here. This is how long you live, 80 years. And what, what you have, let's say, is, is like the best, greatest life. You are a billionaire. You own like tons of businesses, all of that. Okay, but this is the time you get it for. Now watch. Here is eternity. Here is eternal life. Look at the space now. Would you rather have 80 years of being a billionaire in this time of eternal hell and torment, or would you rather give your life to Jesus here, follow his plan, do whatever he says for you, and then for eternity have the inheritance? It's your choice. I'm thankful I got an inheritance. Amen? And then how many are thankful for being God's possession? That's what Paul said. I'm God's possession. I belong to God. I don't belong to myself. Would you stand up and give God a hand clap today? Thank you for your patience. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Come on, somebody. Can I get one of the brothers to move this for me, please? Thank you, guys. Man, I had no idea what was going on with my voice. I'm thankful to the Lord that I was able to make it through. But here's how we praise God. Ephesians 5, 19 and onwards tells us how to do this. Remember, Paul writes the book of Ephesians. He starts off with praise, and he ends with praise, and he shows you how to do it. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for how many things? For how many things? Come on, for how many things? Everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 14 things Paul says he was thankful for, and then he ends the letter telling you how to express your thankfulness. Sing songs with the voice that God gave you. It doesn't matter if you're a good singer or not. I'm a terrible singer, but I love to sing songs. And then give thanks to God for everything. So put on some music tomorrow morning. Thank God. And then through, uh, praise him and give him thanks through the singing. And then throughout the day, give him thanks. So you're about ready to eat, give him thanks. That's why we pray before we eat, to give him thanks. Uh, you're going to uh, go start a new job, give him thanks. You're working an old job, but you score a new client or you do something great, give him thanks. You have uh, time with your family, give him thanks. I think that if you and I walked around with a grateful heart, we would be less stressed out. We would have less complaining. We would have less anxiety because our attitude would be one of gratitude. But notice how uh, Paul says to thank God the Father for everything through Jesus. And that's why it goes back to having that relationship with Jesus and being in him. So if I am outside of Christ, 
I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be judged as a sinner. All of my bad works are going to be brought up against me. Well, in the end, I lose. But if I come into Christ through salvation, new life comes. I'm born again. All of those things we read about become a reality. And now through Jesus, I can walk with that thankful heart. It's a difference. It's a difference of mindset. People who are thankful in Christ don't take credit for anything. And, and that doesn't mean they don't work hard. Like, take, for example, the two guys who make the touchdowns. Let's say there's, you know, a Super Bowl game. One guy makes a touchdown. You know, he slams the ball. He does his little dance, and he runs away, okay? The other guy makes the, the, takes, you know, uh, makes the touchdown, but he takes a knee, gives it up to God. Now, did both of them have to practice to do that? Yeah, both of them had to show up and work hard. Both of them had to, you know, have a team that gave them the ball, block for them. But why is the one taking the knee? Because he knows none of that could happen except through Jesus. So the difference is he acknowledges that it couldn't happen but through Jesus. The other one says, yeah, I did it myself. He just sees his work. He doesn't see that everything is underlying uh, with the power of God and the ability of God. And so that's where I want to stop today and say to you, I wanted to end with some of the people on our uh, Facebook page that told their testimonies. And Jerry, I want you to come for me, please. We're going to sing Set of Fire. But I said, guys, I don't want to just end with what I have to be thankful for. I want to hear some testimonies. And it's still on my Facebook if you want to see it. These are people from our church. Listen to what Amy said she's thankful to God for. I praise God for saving me, for always showing up in my most heartbreaking and difficult trials. And if you knew what she'd been through, you would know there were some real tough trials. In my health, in my family, in times of grief, for allowing me to be a mother when the doctor said I couldn't be. For my awesome husband, for both my parents, my sister's salvation, for leading me to a church which has encouraged me to know who God is and not just seek his hand. I praise God for my mentors, my sisters in Christ, lady pastors who have shown me how to follow God, serve my family and my fellow man in excellence. See, here's a woman who understood what God did in her life. She took her knee and gave God praise. Listen to what another young lady said. Sadia wrote, I praise God for his grace and never-ending love. Even while I was living a double life and being in sin, God still wanted to pursue me. Oh, think about that. The glorious grace he freely gave us in Jesus. Somebody understood that, didn't they? I wonder how many are living a double life right now. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes it could even be the pastor. Hello. Here's a woman who said, I was living a double life. I knew I was fake, but God loved me. He kept pursuing me. God did not forsake me. There were moments I could have OD'd or died due to alcohol poisoning. But by the grace of God, none of those things happen. I praise God for his mercy and forgiveness. Listen to what Adam wrote. He said, I praise God for accepting me even when I rejected him. With full knowledge of what I was doing, I walked away from God. I said my way was better, and when I realized it and came back, he didn't scold me. He didn't look down on me. He welcomed me back to the kingdom with open arms. Come on, somebody. I am a child of God. I am redeemed. I praise God for his grace and his mercy.
One more before we go. Iris wrote this. I praise God for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his salvation, his saving grace and mercy in my life, for changing my life completely, for setting me free from drugs. If Iris was standing next to you right now, you would never have thought she was addicted to drugs. But God transformed her. She says, I'm thankful that I was set free from drugs, pride, fornication, adultery, cheating on a man uh, with a, uh, uh, cheating on a man's uh, woman's wife with a man. Come on. But she said, in all kinds of ugly, God still loved me. I praise God for my whole family, my job, my church. I praise God for my healing, my restoration, his direction in my life. I praise him for his peace and the blessings that he's given me. Now, you see, before we see all of those things happen, there has to be a foundation to why that happens. And that's what we're going to learn about for the next 14 weeks. No, I'm thankful you don't got to wait for God to do a miracle in your life. God can do one right now. But you have to understand, there's a reason why when we pray to God, he shows up. And these people pray to their God and he don't hear them. Come on, somebody. There's a reason why when we gather in this place, tears come down our eyes. We sense the power of God. Lives are changed. There's a reason why that happens. It's because God the Father blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. It's because he has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. It's because he called us by his glorious grace with a purpose and a plan so that we could be lavished with his wisdom and with his understanding so that we might be made for his praise. You see, it's those things that when you get them in your heart, you won't stumble and fall short of what God's got for you. Would you close your eyes, raise your hands, and tell God three things you're thankful for right now, saints. Come on. Before you go, three things right now you're thankful for. In the name of Jesus, right now, you're thankful for these things. If you haven't been born again yet, we invite you into a relationship with Jesus. All you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Do it now, and he'll come into your heart as he's done for so many. Altar workers, would you come, please? As we get ready to go, it's those three things that you can start with and keep praising him for the rest of the day. You can sing songs on your own time, find things to be thankful for. A few more moments. What are you thankful for? I praise God for my family. I praise God for my wife, my children. What do you praise God for today? I praise God that I'm not who I used to be, but I'm who he made me to be. Hands raised. Come on. Hearts lifted up. It's not a library. Pray. Pray to the Lord today. Don't leave out of here forgetting or neglecting to praise God. Jesus, we're so thankful. We're going to take these next few weeks one at a time even as we approach the Easter season, and be thankful that in Christ all of this is true today. Without you, we're nothing, but with you, we're everything you said we could be. Our children are blessed. Our lives are healed. Our minds are at peace. And there is hope for this city today. 
Some of you may be saying, Pastor, I, I got a hard life. Things are tough. I don't got a lot to be thankful for. Be thankful for the hope that things can change. Be thankful that Jesus already took the pain. Come on, I started praising God for things that I hadn't even seen yet, and now I see them. I started praising God for a wife before I had one. Now I got one. I praised God for children before I saw them come. Who's got enough faith to praise God for things not yet seen? For things that you're hoping in right now, but you're going to give him a praise by faith for how good he is. Not one word that he said will ever fail. I praise him and take him at his word right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you look up at me before we go now? I'm going to dismiss you. You're going to be free to leave. Jerry is going to worship. And if you need prayer, you can get prayer and hang out, sing some songs. But let me just say this to you right now. This is amazing when you put it in perspective. There is a church that was made to praise. It put it in its name to praise. And it didn't just say that it was going to praise God in that place, but in the nations. That church is called Metro, what? Praise, praise what? International. Now watch this. I know it's a little bit silly, but I take it serious. Silly for some, but serious for me. Now watch this. We've got two weeks before Easter comes for you to get your friends and family in here. And I'm going to tell you what. They won't be disappointed when they come. The word will be preached. The singing will be good. We're going to do family portraits on our porch back there just to make you remember that moment. But listen, there's going to be things on that day that's going to happen in their heart that you will praise God forever for. There are three people I can tell you right now that got saved on Easter. Two of them are pastors in this church. One got saved first on Easter. Then she invited her sister to come the next Easter. She got saved that next Easter. Another woman got saved on Easter. A few months later, she died. That's Cynthia Rodon's mom. And I got to stand at her funeral, not guessing where she would be or just lying about how good of a person she was. No, I went to her funeral, and I said, this woman is in heaven today because she asked Jesus into her heart on Easter. I'm telling you. Come expecting these next few weeks. Your friends are so open to coming to church because next week for them in a lot of religious mindsets is Palm Sunday. Bring your friends and family. So before you go, let's pray right now. This place will be packed out these next two weeks, and we're going to have a reason to pray because Cousin Flacco's getting saved. Our boss is getting saved. Our co-workers are getting saved. Come on. Lord, we praise you right now for the next two weeks, the opportunities that you're giving us to invite our friends and family to get saved and never look back on their own life. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Give it up for Jesus. One